What's going on, everyone? Alex De Silva, Happy as Larry Group. I hope you are well, and welcome to another episode of the Feel Good Show. Today, my guest is Steph Cullen. She is a friend. She is also a world champion rower. She rode for Team GB for three years. She won a silver medal and a gold medal as well. She is now a life coach, a fellow CrossFitter, and pretty much she nails life. So I'm really looking forward to this. Welcome, Steph, to the show. Thanks, Alex. How's it going? It's good, yeah. I'm a bit warm, isn't everybody? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's all good. Yeah. No, it seems to have cooled down now, isn't it, in the UK, which is nice. So for those who don't live in the UK, we're just having the best summer ever. But for, for example, my wife, who's mm. nine months pregnant, <laughs> she's not enjoying this mm. as much as everybody else. But um, it's been good. So I'm really interested to kind of go into, into your life, your, your kind of rowing career. Because mm-hmm. when we first met, I think a few people were quite surprised as well. Like you kept that on the, on the real download. Yeah. Why was that? Yeah. Well, I think certainly when you're in a, a gym environment mm. and you walk into that gym environment as the new person, mm. you don't want to walk in with world champion, you know, ex-world champions plastered across your forehead mm. and you certainly don't want to talk about it because I think that the things that come up for you as that individual are everyone will think I'm a complete douche you know so and also you don't want that to be what people see you as yeah you know I wanted to be Steph first the new crossfitter second mm. you know and build from there and mm. um, I always knew it would come out mm. but I, I wanted it to come out the way it did, I guess, kind of organically. Yeah. Because obviously I got on the row machine and people were like, <laughs> okay, you're quite good at this. And I was like, oh, let's just practice. Yeah. Um, and then we put a bit more than practice. I did it for 15 years. And slowly but surely people find you out. So yeah. it was nice to, it's not necessarily about the control mm. of how it comes out, but it's nice when it happens in that sort of gentle way that people knew me already Yeah. before that became news. Yeah. And it's humbling as well, I think, the way you handle it, because I think, as you said, and probably I'm very similar like that with, with stuff where, I, you know, achievement should be a great thing. Mm. Like when I found out and we were talking about it, I thought, why the hell did you keep that so quiet? Because mm. there, there is an element of me where I want to scream to the main mm. from the top of the world because it's mm. such a huge achievement. You know, to be a world champion of anything is a huge achievement, you mm. know. Um, and I want to touch on that. But but also, I guess, there's the other element where, as you said, you don't really want to come across as a bit of a douchebag mm-hmm. because some people do wear that, mm-hmm. you know, that douche badge mm-hmm. uh, quite well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which is, which is fair enough. Talk to me about that journey. What got you into rowing in the first place? Because you went to Oxford, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. 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 So I wasn't sporty at all at school, yeah. um, rocked up to Oxford, full of intentions of singing, which I loved, um, playing violin, which wow. I didn't love as much but I could do, so it was a way of meeting people socially, but it's like everything else, you know, Oxford, you try rowing, hmm. and a friend of mine dragged me down, she was the sporty one, she ended up doing it, I think, for a term, right. and I went on to do it for 15 years. Um, basically what happened was I, I got in and was good at it, yeah. which surprised me, because yeah. I wasn't sporty. Hmm. Um, and like most people, you know, 18 years of age, if someone tells you you're good at something, you stick at it yeah. most of the time anyway. Yeah. Um, and it just went from there, you know, and 
I loved it. I loved the, you know, it's like CrossFit really. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's got a great social aspect. Um, it's a team, you know, you're in it together because mm-hmm. um, rowing at Oxford's all in eights. You make a great set of friends. Um, you know, it's just great fun. So yeah. that was it. That was it. I was hooked. And I think at the end of the first year, my tutor actually wrote a letter home to my mum saying that um, maybe I should do a little less rowing and a little more chemistry. <laughs> um, so I got a stern talking to, but I, I somehow managed to muscle through with yeah. both the rowing and the degree. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So did you ever think it was going to, was that something that was planned or, you know, as you said, because you weren't really sporty and about doing it for 15 years mm. and, and what an achievement as well. Mm-hmm. Did you think, you know, you were ever going to go to, to that level? Was it a plan or did it just happen by accident? It was never the plan mm. and I would never have believed you. Um, I actually stopped rowing when I left university, mm-hmm. um, but then – you know, I had about 18 months break, but then realized that actually it's a good way socially to meet people. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I would describe it looking back is it, I just went on this journey where I put one foot in front of the other and I consistently trained and, um, it's like everything else you shoot for one thing. I ended up actually surpassing it. Right. And what was interesting, they say, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn. Yeah. I actually, um, I got overtraining syndrome, yeah. um, in 2008, um because I was holding out a full-time job I was training probably best part of 12 to 14 hours a week um because I loved it so what me and my boyfriend both did you know it was easy um but I got overtraining syndrome and I was forced to spend six months just walking swimming it was really frustrating but what actually happened in that period was my body healed itself and I came back fitter and stronger yeah and that's when I made the GB rowing team Wow. So I'd, I kind of went for women's Henley, which I've never won. And yeah. that for me would have been enough. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I trained hard for that, having come back from overtraining syndrome and completely surpassed it. Wow. Um, so it's, 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 you know, it was a real shock to me. I had to phone at work and say, look, you know, got a bit of an issue. The GB team want me to turn up for some further trials next week. But, you know, being the GB team, it's the middle of the day in the middle of the week. Yeah. Can I go? You yeah. know, it's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And what did they say? Like, how how did they kind of, did you, were you still in that schedule? Were you still kind of working? Or Because what, I mean, I guess once you get, one, the shock of itself is one thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you just think, God, I wasn't planning for this. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're just thinking, shit, you know, mm-hmm. this is gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm in it now. Yeah. You know, you're fully in. Did mm-hmm. um, obviously your life kind of completely changed from there right and then so did you quit your job and then just focus fully on on training um I wish I could have done it's like mm-hmm. everything else in life yeah. um I was really lucky I worked for a company I worked for Dunhumber and Tesco Club yes. Yard, um, mm-hmm. at the time um and they were really understanding had a super super understanding line manager um and they basically said to me what do you need mm-hmm. um and so long as you can do your job mm-hmm. it doesn't compromise that then let's look at cutting your hours um, and we'll have a discussion if anything falls apart. Mm-hmm. So initially I dropped to a four day week and then very quickly when it was confirmed, I was going to go to the world championships that year, I dropped to a three day week. Mm-hmm. And what that looked like was I was training seven till 12, one in the afternoon mm-hmm. um, with the GB team. And then I was jumping in my car, racing Southwest London and I was working in the office, you know, one thirty, two o'clock till five thirty, six o'clock. Yeah. Um, which was interesting because some days I didn't have enough time to 
shower, <laughs> you know, or change my kit. So I'd often yeah. find myself running into the office or into clients, still yeah. in my GB kit, which I hated, but they obviously <laughs> thought was brilliant and thought yeah. was hilarious and didn't happen often. But yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I did for years. I worked 20 hours a week in the world of um, Tesco Club Card and yeah. 24 hours a week in the world of GB rowing. Wow. Mm. Jeez. So talk me through the, um, you know, that that kind of journey of, you know, being in a team? Because you, you, were you rowing with uh, eight? So that was your, your team? Mm, I was in uh, the women's lightweight quad. Right. Um, and, you know, it was a really surreal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but what made it, what made it interesting was that the women's lightweight quad is not an Olympic boat. Right. Um, it's, it's what they call an international boat class. So you go to the World Cups, you can go to the World Championships, but there's no there's no event at the Olympics for you. Mm-hmm. And the GB rowing team, I can't speak for it now, and it's you know six years, um, seven years since I left. Um, it may be different now, but at the time, you felt like two halves of the team. Right. So there was those that were an Olympic boat and there were those that were not. And we, we, talk, we called ourselves NOS, non-Olympic squad. <laughs> oh, right, you know, okay. and, if any, and we didn't get the same amount of kit. We, weren't, we didn't have any funding. Um, and you were basically, you felt like a second-class citizen. Um, oh, wow. okay. So, but that, you kind of formed a tribe because of yeah. that. You know, you were like, oh, you know, I haven't got this. That's because you're NOS. Yeah. You know, um, and myself and the other girls in the quad um, were quite tight because of that, mm-hmm. because you felt like you were in it together. Like you'd made it onto the team, but you were always reminded, oh, but you, you're not, you're not on the Olympic boat. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was deliberate by the GB team. It's just the way it was. Yeah. So the whole journey for me was a, t- was a time of, of great joy yeah. and excitement, but also mm-hmm. a time of high anxiety because right. you were constantly having to prove yourself every single day. You felt like you were being tested Every single year you have to retrial. So it's wow, you trial in your single. So once you're, it's not you're in and then someone else has to push you out. Yeah. Every year you retrial. Every year they do a seat race. So they retrial for the Olympic boat. Um, and every year those of us in that lightweight women's quad, whilst we were in the quad, I think there was a little bit of us that always felt like we'd fallen short. Yeah. Because we'd be lying if we all, if we said we weren't wanting to be in the Olympic boat. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's like, well done. You're world class. But you're not Olympic class. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. I think that's why we, we don't really shout about it as well, because you almost feel like a bit of a fraud, that imposter syndrome. Yeah. But yeah. that's interesting, though, because it's such a huge achievement regardless, mm. you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah. Sounds a bit... Yeah. Sounds a bit wanky. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which it's, is it's kind yeah. of like it shouldn't be... Especially, you know, in any sport, you know, when we train CrossFit together, mm. and it's one of these things where... Doesn't matter where you are in the league. You know what I mean, you get pushed through. You know, yeah. and if, like you watched the games recently, you see like you know the women are like cheering each other on, and the guys are doing exactly the same as well. So it's it's interesting because I guess we don't really get to hear or see mm. the stuff in the background. You know, yeah. Because um, again, we just see you guys on TV rowing for your life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean, and that's uh-huh. what, you know we kind of see the glory. So. Talk to me about, you know, the, um, you know, what you, you talked about the training and having to kind of mm-hmm. put 24 hours, you know, a week you mm-hmm. know, into your training as well as kind of balancing your job. And, mm-hmm. you know, what was the toughest thing for you to deal with, you know, in, in those three years, mm-hmm. you know, whilst you were kind of there? And, and I guess you, you talked about that sort of anxiety, mm-hmm. but 
surely there is a lot of highs that kind of go with that, and surely there's got to be a few lows as well. Yeah, know? it's a roller coaster. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely that. It's mm. massive highs and massive lows, and a hell of a lot of hard work in between. Yeah. So, I mean. Obviously, the physical part of it is the hardest part, particularly like with myself when you're also, you know, you're getting out of the boat and you're going straight to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, managing your energy levels and managing your emotional energy that goes with that, you know, because you have to perform every day. Mm-hmm. You can't rock up and go, oh, you're going to take it a bit easy today. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be on your A game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hardest part is keeping yourself going. Um, the mental toughness that you need for rowing is huge. It's, I think it's second only to cycling in the amount of distance you do compared to what you race. Mm-hmm. So the international racing distance is 2,000 metres and there's, they work out there's something like seven hours of training goes into every single stroke wow. and you take, you know, the best part of, I don't know, how many strokes down the, the water, you know, it might yeah. be 70 hours, I've long forgotten it. Um, and things like 2,000 metre tests you know the the kind of the kind of scores you have to pull to be of the caliber you need to be to be international you push yourself into a zone that I'll never revisit again you know it's it's the mental toughness where the pain point is so bad that you but you have to keep going you Mm. know our coach say to us you know the worst thing that could happen what's the worst thing that could happen you could die Mm. But then everyone will know you're working damn hard. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. my best ever 2,000 metre score, I remember, I think the last stroke I took was literally just before I felt like I was going to pass out. You know, my, my hearing had gone, my sight had started to go in. There, That's the sort of depths you have to go to. Now, of course, you're not doing that every single day. Of course, yeah. But it gives you an idea of the, the mental dark places you have to go to in training to sustain that level wow. all for one race. Yeah, of you course. Know? So, yes. Yeah. That was the hardest part. Yeah. Because a lot of people say, don't they? And I think in, in most sports, you know, the mentally you've got to be prepared, you know, and, mm. and I guess we see it now, you know, in, in, in CrossFit, right? Mm. Because, you know, just us normal folk doing, you know, your everyday, mm. you know, workout of the days. Um, sometimes those workouts, so, you know, you come out of it thinking, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. you know, but then you watch, you know, these guys at that level, which you got a taste of. You know, and as you said, going into that dark place, you know, it it really does take, you know, um, a special breed, as they say. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's not like just anyone can either jump on a rower or, mm-hmm. you know, jump on a mat and then all of a sudden just become, you know, a, a world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so there's obviously huge amounts of, of dedication on there. But here's an interesting question for me, because I always find this interesting. Um how much was that was was hard work? How much was was it the mental part yeah. and then the nutrition? Yeah, because okay. everyone talks about yeah. you know, the, the big threes, right? Yeah, which is you know the hard work that you kind of put in. You know, when you're rowing, you've got the mental part which you described, and I got shivers when you said that because I've been there <laughs> once mm-hmm. or twice and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And the nutrition part, mm-hmm. they're all really important. You mm-hmm. can't really have the end result without all three being mm. optimal yeah. um, and you know you're really lucky in the gb team in that respect and that you have experts in all three things you know yeah. we had a sports psychologist we had a nutritionist mm. you know in the top of their game mm. um and there's as for hard work i mean okay there was there was the non-olympic squad and the Olympic squad, but you all train as one yeah. you know there's no 
a lot of a lot of that stuff with the mental stuff is I I know now through my coaching work a lot of that was in my head and it was my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like I said I don't think the team ever deliberately separated us. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just how you felt. But mm-hmm. you know when it came to nutrition, when it came to um, the psychologist, you had the same access. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the physiologists, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to be honest my nutrition was probably not as good as it could be. I think a lot of that came down to the fact that I wasn't in that lucky position of being able to rest all afternoon, being able to think carefully about my nutrition. A lot of the time I was in my car driving to clients. I'd have to get what I, what I could get, you know, um, that doesn't mean I didn't focus on it. Um, you know, obviously you don't drink for quite a few months before Mm. competition, stuff like that, but it doesn't mean it's like anything else. If you completely abstain, Mm you're going to be miserable and you yeah. can't afford to be miserable when you're going through everything else that you're going through. So yeah. they're all equally important. And um, probably the funnest story I could tell you about the hard work bit yeah. is, um, cause I would say to people, I don't, I didn't have a lot of talent at rowing. I just worked really bloody hard and yeah. I did work yeah. really hard. Um, and the new coach at London Rowing Club, um, after I'd retired, came up to me. This was the season after I retired. He said, Steph, Steph, um, I'm doing the beginning of season speech to the new squad. And I was wondering if I could use you as an, as an example of an athlete who had um, no talent, but through hard work made it. Just to say, you know, anybody could do it. You just got to put the work in. And I thought, oh, that was well-intentioned. It's meant as a compliment, really. And I'll yeah. take it as that. Um, but yeah, I just thought, yeah, that pretty much sums me up. So yeah. what, what is the talent then? Because for me, you know, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what made you different from the person that was set behind you or, or in front of you? Mm-hmm. You were all on the same boat. You all won that gold medal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it equate to hard work? Is there a particular talent? Um, there's definitely there's definitely people with talent who make it um, and, and, and have that extra something because of the talent. But I'm a firm believer, and we saw evidence of it all the time mm. in the team, that you know, hard work will always beat talent when talent won't work hard. Mm. Talent alone will never, in, you know, in those kind of extreme, you know, you think of the CrossFit games, someone yeah. could be talented in a CrossFit, but you've got to work so hard mm. to get to that level and stay at that level. And mm. um, what made me different from the other three girls we were all different. All four of us were really different. What was interesting was we did a personality test, the Myers-Briggs oh, yeah. test. Um, personality test probably a bit generous <laughs> for Myers-Briggs, but essentially all four of us were very different. Okay. But we saw that as a strength. Yeah. And what we did was we we worked out, it, it was a project, you know, mm-hmm. and it was our work, it was our job. So mm-hmm. we made it our job. How do we win the world championships? And how do we do that with each of us, the four of us with mm-hmm. our different um, strengths? Right. make that happen, mm-hmm. bring what we can to the party. My particular strength, I sat in bow, um, which is the, the person at the front of the boat, mm-hmm. so across the line first. Yeah. That person has to be particularly sharp at the front end because right. you, your blade hits the water first. Yeah. Um, and I also steered from okay. the bow seat, which is really unusual, it's usually stroke. Yeah. But I think because I'm such a, a perfectionist in terms of I, I like to be in control mm-hmm. and I like um, to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Giving me the steering foot meant that in that world championship race, I was the one that felt in control right. of that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have to worry about the things I was weak at, like, you know, setting the rhythm or, 
mm-hmm. you know, um, when you're following three other people and nobody can see you, yeah. you, you feel a little bit of freedom for that. Yeah, so yeah, we, all, we all play to our strengths. Uh-huh. So talk to me, because you must have had quite a few races. Mm-hmm. Was there any nightmares in any of these races where, like, something has happened or you're like, Oh, yeah. Um, I did the equivalent of falling over in the World Championship, in my first World Championship final. Um, it's called crabbing out. Right. Um, where basically your blade gets stuck in the water and you lose the blade. And, you know, normally it's game over. Right. Um, and about 200 metres from the line, we were in silver medal position behind the Germans. I crabbed out. and lost my blade and saw my blade go up into the air. And I couldn't tell you how I did it. To this day, I couldn't tell you how I did it because normally it's game over, the boat has to stop and you have to start again. But obviously yeah. in, in World Championships <laughs> finals, there's seconds, if that, mm. in it. You, you can't stop and start again. Mm. Um, what goes up must come down. And yeah. when I've watched the footage back, the, the blade handle goes up into the air. I look up and it comes straight back down and I grab it and I carry it. <laughs> oh, that never happens. It yeah. never happens. But um, across the finish line, none of the other three girls would talk to me. I was in floods of tears. Um, I honestly thought I'd lost us the gold medal. Mm. Um, I had no idea actually at this point we'd come second. I thought we'd been passed by the Americans and the Canadians and been pushed into fourth. And I can honestly say in my rowing career, that was the hardest moment. Um, And what made it worse was in the run-up to that world championship, I was the new girl in what was an already established crew. Right, okay. Um, There'd been one retirement from the GB rowing squad the year before, Mm -hmm. and I'd managed to get that seat yeah and I'd done a lot of work with the psychologist of trying to get over the mental hurdle of being the new girl of feeling like an imposter mm-hmm. of feeling that I wasn't I was going to let them down I wasn't good enough to be there and no matter how much my coach or my fellow crew members told me you've earned that seat you're strong enough you mm-hmm. wouldn't be in it GB rowing would not send a crew mm-hmm. they didn't think was capable of winning mm-hmm. I then did that the equivalent of tripping up yeah and to me that was proof positive that I should never have been sat in there. Oh, wow, okay. Um, the hardest part is when you finish your race, you have to turn and go straight to the medal podium. Right. And the other three girls weren't talking to me, so we got out of the boat. Yeah. And I was basically stood alone, waiting to go on the medal podium in floods of tears. I had blood at the front of my lycra from where I'd caught my thumb on the blade when I'd lost it. Um, and the first person actually to come up to me was Steve Redgrave, who was oh, waiting yeah. there to interview us. Yeah. And, um, he just gave me a big hug. You know, he was like, look, it didn't change anything. You were in silver medal position when that happened. You were in silver medal when you crossed the line. Yeah. Um, you weren't going to catch the Germans. You know, yeah. they, they were on for gold. It was nailed on. Mm. Um, but it, it probably took me a year. That haunted me until the next World Championships. Wow. Yeah. That's insane, isn't it? And the thing is as well, it's such um, And again, like it's one of these things where there are certain things we can control and certain things we can't, right? And you couldn't have controlled that, Mm-mm. you know, but what you did, which I guess you can kind of look back at it now, knowing the position that you're in, you know, and doing your coaching and stuff, that what you did, you actually saved the race. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? If anything, you got them, I mean, as a team you did, mm-hmm. but thankfully because you caught the, the the blade, you managed to then still carry on to, to what you finished anyway, mm-hmm. you know, so there was no difference. Um God, I mean, you know, you kind of described, you know, standing there at the podium and, and sort of feeling like that. What did you have to do to then kind of overcome? Because the, the next time is when you won the gold, right? Is when you... We actually came fourth the year after that. So it was exactly the same crew. 
And bear in mind, you go through a hot... So what happens after the world is you go back to your clubs, you train on your own, or, mm-hmm. you know, if there's anyone else in your club that trains with you, I didn't have that. I was training on my own. Um, and then you retrial. There's three stages. You trial in sure. October, you trial in February, and you trial again in April. Uh-huh. After April, then there's closed trials where you go into seat racing. And after all of that, we came up the same four girls. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which was interesting. By then, they'd yeah. kind of got over it. We'd won the silver medal. And, you know, and a world championship silver was something that we should have been overjoyed with. Yeah. And we would have been, I think, had yeah. I not tripped up, because then the question was, would we have won gold? But same four girls. Yeah. And we were like, great, this is amazing. Same four girls. We know each other. We know each other's style. We're going to mm. slot into this really easily. And the world championships were also later that year because they were in New Zealand. Right. So because they were in the Southern Hemisphere, they're normally end of August, beginning of September. Mm-hmm. But they were in New Zealand in early November. We were like, great, we've got extra time. Um, and then we came fourth. And we came fourth by, I think it was three tenths per second. Oh, wow. So we missed out on the bronze medal, which still bugs me because I then I'd have a gold, silver, and bronze. But we missed out on the bronze medal by three tenths per second. And that was devastating. Yeah. Because I think in the first year where we'd expected nothing and come away with the silver and thought that was bad. Yeah. When you expect to win. Mm. or at the very least you definitely expect a medal mm. to come forth mm. awful yeah mm. so yeah we did what everyone else did we got out of the boat and we got on the beers we told, <laughs> us, told ourselves it's one race and yeah. look forward to next year that's yeah. it yeah but I guess um, I always look at things like this in, 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 a, in an interesting way it's almost like do you think now it makes you more grateful for winning the silver. Does, does, does that fourth humble you a little bit and actually makes you look back and think, shit, should have been more grateful for that? Because you actually, you know, you weren't expecting to win. You came out with a silver. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And mm-hmm. then, you know, that happened. Does that, did that kind of, I do you like that slightly? Or? You know what? It's never made me more grateful for the silver because the silver has always come second to the gold. Yeah. But I'm grateful to the fourth because I think that's what drove yeah. Andrea and I, who would, the two the two girls that win the fourth, the fourth placing crew, mm-hmm. we were the two that went on to go into the next year. Yeah. One of the other girls retired and one of the other girls didn't make the crew. Okay. Um, so we had two new, new girls in the crew for the third oh. year. But I think that fourth absolutely drove... Andrea and I all year because we knew yeah. we were capable. We yeah. knew we had, we knew we had a world class double. Yeah, um, they went on to win gold in London twenty twelve. It shows you the caliber they were. We knew we were right behind them, wow. snapping at their heels. We knew we had yeah. what it took to win gold. Yeah, and we'd come fourth. Yeah, so I don't think there's any coincidence that we the gold followed the fourth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. And how did that feel? <laughs> after all yeah. of that I cannot describe to you it never it never leaves you but you can never do it justice to describe what it feels like crossing the finish line mm. of a world championships first yeah. especially when you know what it feels like mm. to be second best and you know what it feels like to come forth mm. that gold was not nailed on it was the first year that I'd ever had to race a heat Mm-hmm. And then a final. Normally it was a, a race for lanes and then a straight final. So we, what made it even sweeter for me was we had a good idea of what the speed of the other girls was. We won our heat by three hundredths of a second over China. We literally squeaked um, it. Yeah. But the Italians had won the other heat by a comfortable margin and mm. in a faster time. Yeah. And the Italians had walked around pretty much all week between the heat and the final, 
thinking they had it nailed on. Mm. They were like, we're three seconds faster than GB. They will push the line. We weren't. We've got it nailed on. They came fourth. Oh, so I saw it from yeah, the other yeah. side. But because I was bow, I was yeah. at the front of the boat, mm. I knew first mm. that we'd won. Wow. And there's quite a sweet picture of me, <laughs> kind of hands in the air, GBR on my back, you know. And it's, it, the, the photographers captured the exact moment I became a world champion. Wow. And you, you, that stays with you. You yeah. carry it with you the whole time. You don't think you don't walk around thinking oh, I'm an ex-world champion, but you carry the moment, you carry yeah. the feeling. Yeah. And when people say go to your happy place, yeah. that is it for me. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, say I'll never be that happy again is it's, it's wrong, <laughs> but that's the that was the happiest moment. And if I yeah. could bottle it and sell it, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. yeah. One of the things you you've got to, and I think you know you've just explained. The, the journey and the hard work, mm. do you know what I mean, that it took, you know, to, to get to that moment where mm. you knew because you were right at that front and you knew as soon as you crossed that line, it's almost, you know, as you said, you've kind of extended your arm out and you knew mm. you were a world champion. Mm. And it's, you know, sometimes it's almost like well, you get the flashback of everything that happened before, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And you think it was all worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that you experienced before that, it was all worth it mm-hmm. because you crossed that line, you know? The first thing that flashes to your mind mm-hmm. is we've done it. Yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. That's all you can hear in your head. We've done it, we've done it, we've done it. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, the funny thing about rowing is, because obviously you're sat in the boat, you can't all hug each other at once. <laughs> yeah. You've got to row back to the landing stage yeah. and then you've got to get out. And the first thing I did was go and find Andrea, yeah. you know, and give her a big hug. And, yeah. and then you want to find your parents, you know. And it's yeah. um, just that that sense of we've done it. Mm. You know, I mean, it sounds it sounds ludicrous and I would never, ever, ever compare myself to Tia Claire too, but the feeling, I was yeah. watching the games the last... Yeah. The last um, day of the games. Yeah. And I looked at Tia Claire too when she won, and I thought, you know, yeah. I know how you're feeling. Yeah. And it's just the best yeah. feeling in the world. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing, isn't it? But it's something to be so proud of as well. You know, when you're, when you're at that level and the amount of hard work that has to go, you know, which you described, and this is what, a lot of people don't see, you know, from any sport, mm. you know, but the sport we can relate, you know, mm-hmm. is, is the, you know, is CrossFit mm-hmm. and the amount of hard work we put into the gym, do you know what I mean? And we train together when we do the team stuff and, you know, and just that on its own, you've got to multiply that, you know, by the amount of hours you've had to put in. Mm-hmm. And, it, and this is the thing, it's all for, for that one single moment, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? You know, and like in CrossFit, it's, you know, it's like, it's a weekend, Mm-hmm. For you, it's like, you know, it's a series of, you know, is it a couple of days, how it's kind of broken down? Is it quite similar? Well, the World Champs? Yeah. Yeah, it's over, it's normally over five days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting is I get glimmers of that feeling, like when we did the Open this year, Yeah. and I got my one handstand push-up that I've achieved <laughs> in my life, <laughs> you know, I was so proud of myself and so yeah. pleased. And it didn't matter that I didn't get another one. For me, I was like, I've done it. I've done one. You know, now, of yeah. course, I'm not going to stop there. Mm. And like the World Championships, you move on from that and you have to live the rest of your life. And you you can't sit back and go, right, well, I've done it, you know, yeah. and therefore I'm not going to try anything else. Yeah. Um, but you see glimmers of it. And I think that's why I, I enjoy seeing, uh, I like helping other people achieve things yeah. in CrossFit or, or in other walks of life. I think it's part of what motivates me to be a life coach. Yeah. Um, because I, I want people to feel that sense of achievement, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, overcoming an addiction or changing their life, you know, finally leaving the job they want to leave. or But that sense of, I faced this, what feels like an impossible task. Mm. I'm prepared to work hard for it. Mm. 
and you don't know when it's going to come, but when it finally comes and you have that moment of realization of I've done it, yeah. that feeling is sweet, no matter how. Yeah. And to to and it, it, I feel privileged to witness that when yeah. other people achieve it, and it doesn't matter whether yeah. it's getting your first pull up or yeah anything. Yeah. I just think it's I want more of that. Yeah, yeah. It is an incredible feeling, isn't mm. it? To to I mean, for yourself to be able to to achieve something like that, but then to kind of go on and then. You know, see somebody else achieving to help other people. Mm. Such an amazing thing. Um, so, what happened? You know, because you talked about you know the, the difference between you know the the team that you were sat in, mm. as you call it, NOS, and Nos, you know, yeah. and, and then you know the Olympic team. Mm. Did you not have the kind of the, the sort of the aspirations to, to you know you went in, you achieved gold. That's absolutely incredible. What was your goal after that? Was it then to trial for, for the Olympics? I'd love to say yes. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to say that was the dream. I think there was lots of reasons. Um, my age, for one. I mean, mm-hmm. I made the team at 29. Okay. Which is quite unusual. Yeah. Um, I was the oldest in the lightweight women's squad. Yeah. Um, I To say I cried every week of the last season because the mental and physical toughness was really, it was hard to get through that last season. Mm. I knew when I crossed the finish line, the world champs, that was it for me. I was done. Mm. The girls that were in the running Mm -hmm. for the Olympic boat were better than me. Um, They deserved to be there. And I knew I was putting the rest of my life on hold by this stage, by 2011, I was, you know, I was 30, nearly 31 by the time Mm. I won the world championships. Um, and it was another year of putting myself through that for what seemed like an impossible task. And I just decided, you know what, actually, I'm going to be grateful for what I've got. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be satisfied with what I've got and I'm going to walk away. Yeah. But it was hard to watch the Olympics. It's not that I thought they're in my seat. No way. They deserve to be there. They won gold. Yeah, you know? And I, I yeah. cried my eyes out when they did. <laughs> because I was so proud of them. And I felt like I... I contributed a tiny bit to that medal by yeah. pushing them all the way, you know, because yeah. they're constantly getting challenged that seat. Yeah. Um, but no, next for me was life. You know, I right. wanted to, I didn't want to have to be up at 20 past five every day to be at Cavisham, the GB Rowan headquarters. I didn't mm. want to have to, I lived to a schedule, yeah. you know, for, for the best part of 10 years, mm. I lived to a schedule. Yeah. And I wanted, I wanted my life back mm. and to see what else I could do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's challenging because you, you think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then you cross the other side and you go, oh, normal life's pretty boring. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you adjust to that? Because I think we probably touched on it a little bit, you know, before, because that's always an interesting one for me. And, you know, and, and you see on TV, you know, with ex-athletes. Talk to me about that journey because that was an interesting one for you, right? Because I guess you you didn't really expect it Mm. to be yeah. like that right it was <clears throat> it was so much harder than I thought because mm. I didn't realize how much more of my identity was as an athlete mm. I was an athlete first and everything else second because yeah. you, you almost don't realize it's happening mm. you you have to be an athlete first mm. you have to be 100% focused mm. on being the best athlete you can be and winning mm. you know so then when you stop and you, you're coming off a euphoric high, you've just become world champion. There's a lot of partying that follows that. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, you know, your ego gets pretty big, <laughs> to yeah, be fair. There's a lot of people who tell you how amazing they are and how impressed they are. And, you know, people come out of 
hold you'd completely forgotten about <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. to, to say hey I know you etc um and then all of a sudden you go back to work on a Monday and it's it's not that people don't care mm. but you're not there to be an athlete mm. you're there to be a client manager yeah. you know and suddenly I wasn't an athlete I was mm. Steph mm. and after the partying had ended and after I realized I had to get on with life I just didn't know who I was I didn't know who I was I felt lost I felt confused. I felt um, sad because um, you expected it was going to be brilliant. You have all this freedom. You can do what you want with your time. Mm. But then, you know, your six pack goes and you realise that actually <laughs> there's some benefits to training 24 hours a week, you know, because you look and feel amazing when you're a professional athlete. Yeah. You know, you, which although I worked, you know, but to all intents and purposes, that's what I was. I was an athlete. I looked like an athlete, yeah. you know, and, and that goes and then you know it's not that your friends treat you differently you treat you differently you feel differently and you Mm. wake up in the morning and you go this is not enough Mm. but you how do you fill that hole how Mm. do you how do you replace what was your identity um because it's such a i guess it's such a euphoric feeling Mm. right you know as as you described as well you 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 kind of describe that journey of what it took for you to get there. Mm. <clears throat> you get there, you win a, a silver. You get there, then you win the fourth. And you come in and you nail it by taking mm. that gold. And all of a sudden it's, you know, you're, you're kind of sat at the top, yeah. you know. Um, how did you, what did you do, I guess, to, to then start mm. filling that hole? Well, initially I drank a lot of booze. Uh, <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit, but I had to do a lot of partying. But you've not, you've, you know, you've not, you've not done it for years. You want to have a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, I soon realised that my hangovers were a lot worse than before I was an athlete, so mm. I had to knock that on the head. Yeah. Um, I spoke to some friends of mine who'd been Olympians, mm-hmm. um, and you know, had reached the top. And one particular friend of mine, Jen Gold, actually raced for the US and Beijing. Mm-hmm. I'd, I was talking to her specifically about challenges I was having mentally with not being an athlete anymore and how was she coping. Mm-hmm. And she put me in touch with one of the girls from, um, I think she was in the USA, but basically an ex-US Olympian mm-hmm. who met me in a coffee shop in Southwest London and basically sat me down. And that, you could probably say that was my first experience of coaching. I didn't know it then. Right, okay. But she just sat and she listened. Yeah. And she told me that, you know, it would be okay and it would take time and what I was feeling was normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to come to terms with, you know, the loss of that identity. And it was the first yeah. time someone had actually, you know, said it. Yeah. You've lost you've lost your identity. That's yeah. okay. You need to grieve for that identity. Yeah. But then you need to work out what it is that you want to be. You mm-hmm. know, who is Steph? Yeah. You know, what do you want it to be? Do you want it to be successful at work, et cetera? And slowly, I didn't – you don't actually see it happening. You just work day by day. Yeah. Um, and suddenly you realise you wake up one morning and you're not thinking about it. But it yeah. took me two years. Wow, okay. You know, I woke up every day and the first thing that came into my head was what they'd be doing at training. I knew, you know, it's a Tuesday, so we'd be doing sprint work. It's yeah. a Wednesday, we'd be doing an ergo, you know. Yeah. Um, and then just one day I realised, oh, you know, it's got to three o'clock in the afternoon, I've not thought about it. And then it was yeah. seven o'clock in the afternoon, I've not thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like you went through a stage of recovery, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is interesting, you know, because that became, you see, how I, I'm learning and continuously learn how I see addiction now. Addiction is not, 
you know, my mm. addictions mm. were, you know, sex, drugs, mm. alcohol, food, you know what I mean? And yours became rowing, mm-hmm. you know, but not from a sense where, and I guess, I guess you couldn't really live without it because you lived it for so long. Mm. But it's almost as you described, which is how I've learned to see addiction now, it became a pattern of behavior. Mm. You know, that was your schedule for, as you said, 15 years. Mm. You know, all of a sudden, how do you deal with that? You know, and and that's really, really interesting because it really is for me because as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, wow, do you know what? I can relate to mm. to the emotional side of things because – I did that with, you know, I did it with MMA, but then unfortunately I then took my life out and I did it with all the other stupid stuff that I did in my life, mm. you know, to, to real excess because I felt as though I just didn't know who I was, mm. you know, and I had to find something to give me purpose. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was it, right, for you is that you 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 got into something that gave you purpose, you achieved the highest level of it, and all of a sudden it's almost felt like you just looked back and, it was just like, what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Right? So you had to then go through that recovery stage of, you know, which is the kind of mental and, and emotional, spiritual healing, right, which, mm. which we need to go through. Um, did you go through kind of like a depressive stay or, you know, did that happen to you? Because I know it can happen to some people, right, especially athletes as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, my flatmate was incredible. I was mm. really lucky. I had a lot of supportive friends who, you know, I'd all been in rowing. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I mean, I went through a very dark, dark stage of, like I say, drinking quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but I think it was because nobody warned me. Yeah. So um, it was it was as I came to the understanding of what I was mourning, because yeah. at first I felt guilty for feeling bad. I'm like, well, I don't deserve to feel bad. You know, I've achieved something that I always wanted to do. I was lucky, you know, so I went went through the, you know, seven stages of the Kubler-Ross grief curve, you know, denial and then, you know, all of the, all of the ups and downs that come, come with that until you reach acceptance. Yeah. Um, But I think the strangest thing, the harder, because you're right on the addiction front, there's physical things, there's emotional things, there's mental things like, you have no idea when you're an athlete that you're not normal. Mm. Like you, you know that you're good at your sport, but you've no idea that most people don't walk around with, you know, 14% body fat. Yeah. They don't, a six pack is not easy to achieve. You mm. know, I would look at people and go, just go to the gym. It's not yeah. hard. I had no appreciation of how hard it was mm. to not go to the gym mm. until I hadn't been for six months. And then I tried to start again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, all oh, right, okay, this is what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, now I don't like getting on the rowing machine because it does not feel the same. You know, I can't, I, you know, uh-huh. it's, it looks easy. It doesn't feel easy. Yeah. So it's, it was, it was a journey of grieving for the loss of the athlete, but appreciating that I wasn't gone and yeah. therefore coming to terms with myself and, you know, almost saying to myself, look, you know, you, you need to get up and you mm. need to get on yeah. and you need to appreciate that it's okay you don't have a six pack and it's okay mm. you're not an athlete and it's mm. okay you know there's lots and lots of other things mm. you can do and the things that kind of stay I could name stages now one was I found CrossFit in 2013 yeah at a brilliant box and that helped me because it yeah. kind of made me realize I was okay I yeah. could still work out <laughs> yeah then I met my current boyfriend who had never known me as, as a rower oh, but okay. loved me for who I was yeah that helped me you know, he's ridiculously proud of me, which yeah. is very cringeworthy, and I hate it. He, he used to be the first thing he'd say whenever he introduced me, and I was like, oh, God. And then I moved to Hitchin, yeah. I moved out of London, and mm-hmm. 
those three things have helped me fully recover. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, now I wake up in the morning, I'm incredibly grateful to be where I am. Yeah. And um, still got, you know, same group of friends, but yeah. they understand why I had to go through that. Yeah. And I think it's part of, it's part of that journey, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. we, it's interesting because we, life, I, you know, I'm starting to understand our own belief, you know, we go through various different stages from the day we were born until, mm-hmm. you know, the day we take our last breath. And, you know, I'm starting to kind of understand how that kind of breaks down. And typically it tends to happen from like zero to, to 11, mm-hmm. which is when we're like, you know, the, the buzzy phase, do you know what I mean? You're just a kid, you're innocent and everything is incredible, you know? And you just learn and soak up all sorts of information. And then you kind of go through, kind of as you, then you kind of have a bit of a period where you go a bit gangly because your teeth will fall out and you get new ones and all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we then go through the, the teen phase, mm. which is the 13 to, you know, to 19. And that in itself is a huge period, right? Because then we, you know, we go through puberty and everything else and we want to mm-hmm. explore and so on and so forth. And I guess for you, you kind of joined rowing at that age, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, you 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 kind of went from the 18 to kind of that 25, which is another period mm-hmm. of life. And then we then go into technically kind of the real adulthood, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Which I guess for you is where you reach the pinnacle and then all of a sudden it was like, damn, what do I do here? Yeah. And that was really incredible. I was just now just started to kind of piece together and it was really incredible your life, you know, how much you've done throughout that period and, you know, and, and now you are where you are, you know, where you've got your CrossFit, obviously mm-hmm. you've got your career, which you've built and, you know, you're building, you know, going, going now into your, into your coaching. So, you know, talk to me about, you know, about all of that now, you know, you, you've, you've achieved so much and you went through the downers as well, which mm. I think, I think is such an important part of life, you mm. know, and you probably see that now as, as a coach, you know, how important it is having experienced that yourself where, do you know what? It's just as valuable as the highest, mm. you know, that euphoric feeling that you've got from being at the top, mm-hmm. being at the bottom gives you, for me, and my experience was it gave me actually more appreciation mm. because as you now, as probably as I do, as we keep working back up again, not that we were kind of down in any way, but as you're mm. sort of just going through a different experience in life, mm-hmm. um, it just teaches us that little bit more and it kind of makes us a little bit stronger. Have you found that now that you've kind of come out the other side, mm-hmm. you know, what's in store for Steph now? Because as mm-hmm. you said, you're, you're creating yourself now as a coach. Mm-hmm. And where do you want to focus now? Is that going to be with athletes mm-hmm. and kind of, possibly helping them going through that similar journey? Yeah. So um, I think for me now, what I want is to be open-minded to whatever the universe has in store for me. Yeah. That sounds ridiculous. No, yeah. Um, I did actually work with a life coach um, 12 months ago mm-hmm. um, because I I was still – I'd got myself into a place where I knew I should be grateful for what I had. I had a lovely house, a lovely boyfriend. I've got a great job. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't I happy? Yeah. And she pointed out that I rode from 18 to 33 mm. and I was push, 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 push. You know, mm. I mean, I've always pushed myself from the age of about yeah. eight. Um, you know, I'm straight A student, you know, grade eight violin, yeah. you know, 
wow. I was good at rowing and just went for it. Yeah. She was like, you've done everything in full pelt and there's always been the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And I've always needed to have a plan and go for goals and this, that, the other. And she was like, what happens if Steph doesn't plan and she just explores yeah. what is out there and what coaching is allowing me to do is find out what I like mm. and what makes me tick. Um, and I love it, you know, and yeah. I, I can't get enough information about it. And I definitely want to work with athletes who are transitioning mm-hmm. out of sport into um, life, you yeah. know, because there's a lot of focus on helping them get a career. And I'm not just talking professional athletes. I'm talking amateur athletes who have had to retire. You know, like, you know my first rowing partner in the GB team had to had to stop for injury. That's yeah. a whole different ball game, oh, you know, because yeah. she was forced to stop. I chose. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was hard, but I chose to stop. Yeah. She didn't. So sport athletes from any any um, walk of life, um, but equally, I find I get a real. What I really enjoy in coaching is when somebody comes to me with a, a huge, you know, challenge that they can't see through. Whether that's, you know, I, I'm just anxious, you know, and I, I want to know how to help myself get out of this. I don't know why I'm anxious. I want to get over that, or you know, I want to. I want to understand why. You know, I'm not in a relationship with that. The big hairy issues that mm. I thought when I first started learning about coaching, I'd shy away from that. It felt too big. Mm. Actually, they're the, for me, the most rewarding mm. and enjoyable um, coaching experiences and relationships. And mm. um, so I'm kind of, I'm leaving myself open to, well, let's see where this goes. I might mm. end up working with athletes. I might end up working with, you know, individuals and groups, you know, so... I'm, I'm learning to be okay yeah. with not having a plan. Yeah. Yeah. And just letting it flow, you know, <laughs> which is not like me. And it's, you know, with CrossFit, I have to hold myself back from like, oh, I could compete and I could this and I could that. And I'm like, no, just, you know, just enjoy it. You yeah. know, just turn up and enjoy it. And you don't have to finish first and, you know, <laughs> yeah. all of that. So, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Because it's, um, it's funny, isn't it? I think there is some people where... We are just built that way. Mm. You know, I I struggle, you know, like the word today. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had to revisit 18.5. Yeah. <laughs> and I was fuming because I've injured my shoulder. Right. So I couldn't RX mm-hmm. the, the, the workout. And, you know, for, for, for you guys who are new to CrossFit or don't understand CrossFit, so the RX is the recommended workout. And then you can scale it down. Um, I've injured my left shoulder and, and I couldn't do the toast to bar yeah so i had to do ab mat sit-ups oh. and I, was like, oh. yeah. I did two and my shoulder just twinged and yeah. daryl just looked at me and he went don't touch the bar mm. just go to the mat I like, yeah oh. and I, I was gritting my teeth because as soon as i knew which what the workout was i knew what i'd got at the opens mm-hmm. so i thought i've got to better that mm. i've got to better it and um but you know what? it's interesting because i did what you did i thought my head said to me just pace it. Yeah. That's what I want you to do. I want you to pace this, but get into a good pace. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? I just kept to a good pace. I was, you know, rowing a calorie, um, mm-hmm. you know, a calorie a row mm-hmm. and just tried to kind of keep that push where I could, you know, and just enjoyed the journey. You know, I wasn't kind of going too crazy. I think the last one, I wanted to get 10 rounds. That's what I left with. If I'm going to scale, I'm going to try and go big. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get 10 rounds. And I did. Just literally on the last second, uh-huh. and then he turned to fourteen, and I just went uh, and just killed over. But that's the um, is taking that um, just taking that step back and just going, it's all right. Yeah, 
It's okay. Yeah. You know, you don't have to, to always do that. I've, I've set myself, like I, I set my life to set myself goals. Mm. I think for me, because, see, it's almost like mine's kind of happening the other way around, mm -hmm. where I started in, in MMA. Mm -hmm. And actually, even before that, you know, like with school, I was always a really, really bright kid. But I always saw myself as I would just screw it up. Mm -hmm. I screwed up my GCSEs, but then I did well on my A-levels because mm -hmm. I did business and I love business. So I did business in finance. That was a good one. So I was like, man, was, oh, and I, I love music as well. So I mm -hmm. did music. I love playing the keyboard. But I can't read music, but I could play and I could sing. So that was my thing. And didn't get to go to uni because I had my son at 17. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like these little things that happened in my life where although now it's the best thing that ever mm -hmm. happened to me, I almost, because of how everybody else looked at me, I saw myself as a failure. Mm -hmm. So for me, as I kind of got to this stage in my life now, it's almost like I want to just keep achieving, 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 because I just want to set a few goals. Um, yeah, it's interesting, because I kind of, I look at mm -hmm. some of the stuff that you're doing now, and you know, with the stuff that I did with my addiction as well, you know, and, and everything else, it's almost like I've been given a, not that I wasn't given the opportunity then, because mm -hmm. I was many times, but I made the wrong decisions. I just made the choice to screw up instead of, you know, actually focusing. Mm -hmm. So this is now, I think, my journey moving forward has been to actually stay quite focused. But like you, because I can beat myself down a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I'm kind of just allowing things to just happen. I have mm -hmm. my focus board where it's got mm -hmm. all my stuff on there and every now and then I'll plan little bits where I need to. Mm -hmm. And coaching has helped massively as well because instead of me, you know, just kind of being too blasé about it, I set my goals and I go, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I'll either pin it up there or I've got my Superman book, which Lucy bought for me. And I'll literally write stuff down and it goes in there and I'll shut it. Mm. And every six months I'll open it and I'll go, oh, actually, I've achieved that. Yeah. You know, which is really interesting. Um, where do you want to sort of like moving forward now, you know, with, with everything that you've, mm -hmm. you've been through and everything that you've, you've achieved, what's the kind of, I know that you're saying you're kind of pretty chilled now and you've got your coaching <laughs> so stuff. It's all relative. I'm not that Yeah, I've mean, seen you when we train. Yeah. I've seen you when you yeah. train, when you're holding on to our straps when mm. we're rowing. <laughs> um, you're always going to have that. Yeah. You know, that's something that, and listen, I, and we've had the, the, the conversations around the coaching stuff, you know, yeah. and, and I love your 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 passion and your energy, you know, we've trained together. I mean, we're training, we're competing together yeah, we are, we, yeah. at the Grand uh -huh. So we've got a CrossFit competition where we're going to be training together. And it's really, I'm really looking forward to that because, mm -hmm. you know, I love competition still, you uh -huh. know, I did the MMA. I kind of got to like semi pro and then, you know, I kind of never got, so every now and then when something like this comes up, I'm really looking forward to it. What's the next goal for you? Like, do you yeah. still fancy, like, you know, pushing yourself to kind of the next level, like masters at CrossFit or something <laughs> like that? <laughs> no way. Like, I've actually, set, I've actually set myself the goal of not getting sucked into competing in CrossFit, and I'm dreading Grendel, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm doing it because I, I love the people I'm doing it with. Yeah. I love that team. And you know what? I want to put myself in. I want to put myself in a situation where it's about the team and the team effort, and it doesn't matter if we don't win, yeah. which, not being harsh to my teammates, love them all, but if we win, it'd be a very cool. <laughs> but that's what I want. I want to be there because I want to be, not yeah. because I'm there to 
to win. Not that I'm going to try, but you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm with you for the winning part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's it's putting myself in positions where it's okay not to win. Yeah. Um, and you know, this morning I had the same experience with you on the on the 18.1 on the workout. I mean, I looked. You can't not look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I'd done. Yeah. And I fell around short. I was around shorter than I was. Right. Um, and instantly I started coming up with reasons why. Oh, it's 6 a.m., it's hot, and, you know, I've just been ill, blah, blah, blah. But the word that came to the front of my mind the minute I started talking about it was forgiveness. I was like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It really, yeah. Who cares that yeah. I'm around short? It doesn't matter. You yeah. know, and um, that's how I use the rowing now. Like, you know, that was important. It mattered that I won. This does not matter. That yeah. um, what would I want to do now? I think... If I'm being totally, totally honest, the, mm. the dream and what I'm aiming for um, would be to be a, a full-time coach mm-hmm. um, to earn the same amount of money um, that I'm earning now but through coaching, but also to let that go. You know, it's yeah. a big goal. of my, I'm very money-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always important to me as a child. My parents got divorced when I was three, and money was always an issue and it was the number one topic talked about and so letting go of that money mindset and that Mm -hmm. being important so I've got this whole thing swirling around of you know what I want but also wanting to go on it's about the journey there not achieving the destination and also if I become a full-time coach but I'm not earning what I earn today to be okay with that Mm. so I guess it's it's getting out of my comfort zone, mm. but not in terms of the traditional way people would say get out of my comfort zone. I know what it's like to be so far out of my physical, <laughs> mental, and emotional comfort zone in terms yeah. of pushing myself. Yeah. That's not what I need to explore. It's almost the opposite now. How yeah. can I be okay with just being okay? Yeah. Not pushing for a six-figure lifestyle or a, you mm. know, being the best or you know, mm. being okay with just being me and just being good, yeah. at, good at being me and how that manifests itself as a coach yeah. and seeing where that takes me. That's what's, yeah. what's next. And it, it, it's hard yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing though. Cause it's, um, as you said, it, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the rat race as well, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, with, with how, especially the kind of the society we're in, you know, it, it's that big thing, isn't it? You know, entrepreneurial, you know, mm-hmm. and especially now online, you can literally become a millionaire yeah. if you do this course and, you know, you paid me five grand and you can earn, but then you find out at the end that actually, you know, the amount of people that become that is very, very small, Yeah, you know, but so it is very, and I've had to, like you equally, I had, you know, going into this stuff, I had to kind of change my mindset a little mm. bit because I've got such huge ambitions, you know, for, mm. for where I want to take, you know, the business, the yeah. podcast, you know, and everything else. But not from, and that's the thing that I have to also keep telling myself, that it's not just because of the money. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's the end purpose. Mm-hmm. And I have to always tell myself, remember what that mission statement is, mm-hmm. you know. and But it's hard, right? Because there is almost the other element of me where I don't, I almost, and I'm always honest about it, I get fearful of, keep pushing and pushing and pushing because shit, what if I achieve what's on that board? Mm-hmm. Then what? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then my mm-hmm. mind then starts to say, well, you're not good enough to achieve that. Who do you think you are? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Does that, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a real, it's a, it, I'm trying to find that balance. Mm-hmm. That's the thing for me. Mm-hmm. It's being able to kind of find that balance of, you know, 
just making sure that actually, you know what, it's cool. And I've stopped even worrying about it now. That's the thing with, with having loose. We balance each other mm. out. I'm the creative, you know, buzzy one, like a mm-hmm. 12-year-old <laughs> child. And I just come out and go, this is what we're going to do, blah, blah, blah. And she'll go, yeah, baby, we are. But we've got to think about this first. Mm-hmm. We've got to go there at this pace, blah, 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 blah. So it's nice to kind of have a, you know, a bit of a balance. Around yeah. stuff. I've kind of got that in my head. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, new staff um, would say, um you know, this is okay. We're going okay. And old stuff goes, what? We've got to have a three-year plan. This is where we're going to be. And, yeah. You know, and old stuff keeps telling everybody, oh, yeah, in three years, I'm going to quit my job. That's the plan. Three-year three year plan mm. to quit my job. And new stuff's kind of going, well, if it's not three years, that's okay. Could be five. Might decide we don't want to quit our job. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's that constant battle between the, the stuff that knows what it is to set goals and go for them mm. and the stuff that is trying really hard at, all, at everything, you know, whether it's coaching being you know with my family planning events holidays or or, yeah. or my coaching business yeah. you know being okay with just breathing and seeing what happens and feeling feeling my way yeah. rather than thinking my way through it yeah yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's interesting it is it is it, it, but it's just making sure that you're doing what you want to do right? yeah yeah totally that's the most important thing yeah as long as you're happy with it because it's interesting what you said there about the, yeah, three years, we're going to do this. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get the other one that goes, well, should I think about it? It's probably going to be about five. Yeah. <laughs> and I go, yeah. yeah. And then I get, but do you know what? I completely get that. Because I get that with with myself mm-hmm. as well, every now and then. You know, I, and I write things down all of a sudden. And I'll never forget, I, I wrote some goals on my board. Mm-hmm. I've taken off this or on my book. And I look back at them and I was so premature with with what I was aiming, but I was mm-hmm. aiming high. But I literally gave myself like a year to achieve. I think somebody who probably there was more chance of me winning the lottery <laughs> than actually achieving what I wanted to yeah. achieve. But do you know what the humbling thing is, is I've taken the steps now that it will be achievable. Mm. Do you see what I mean? But it's just taken me a little bit longer than than what I expected you know yeah and I'm okay with that you know but I've had to kind of humble myself a little bit and kind of go listen now you've got all the time in the world mm. you yeah. know because for me I think I'm 50 years old mm. and I've got like about mm. five years to live mm. when actually I'm 37 yeah and I've probably got another 50 years to live you mm-hmm. know what I mean so I've got god plenty willing, of time yeah. yeah god willing yeah. I've got plenty of time to do this yeah because I want it tomorrow yesterday mm. i want it right here right now and i want to get it done because you know i want to save as many people around the world as possible mm-hmm. it'll get done yeah in time yeah <laughs> I'm, you know I'm, I'm like that with everything. it's the same with the crossfit thing you know like we all want to be able to do toast bar we all want to do you know muscle ups we all want to do handstand push-ups mm. and whenever it comes up as a workout in the gym I, I can feel myself getting tense. Yeah. I still can't do this. I still can't do this. You know, and does it, you, you, you may be able to see it. I'm sure most people can't, but there's that internal battle going on mm. where part of me really wants to be able to do it now, right now. Yeah. Why can't I do it? And the other part of me is like, it's okay. Mm. You know, and it's a journey and most people can't do it. So, yeah. you know, go with it. And mm. um, on Saturdays, Team Wads, you know, I hear myself, Shouting at people, and you know, it's been a couple of occasions where I've afterwards apologised because of the competitive part of me yeah. forgets it's not important because I slip into it's almost like I'm time I'm time travelled 
back seven years and suddenly it's the most important thing in the world to win that ward yeah. you know um so yeah that constant battle um to be realistic but at the same time be a dreamer and finding that balance between you know achieving what you want but mm. doing it in the right way yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. winning the team odd but doing it without shouting at other people <laughs> and, and just going forget it I'll do it I'll finish these toes bar off you know <laughs> in the same way of setting up my business yes I want a coaching business mm. I want to be good at it but mm. I want to do it in the right way that I'm comfortable with that yeah. It's not that I'm not going to make mistakes. I want to make mistakes. It's how I learn. Yeah. But not putting pressure on myself for it to be the biggest badass, you know, coaching business in the world in three years looking this way. Because yeah. let's be honest, we don't know yeah. what our businesses are going to look like. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's great and is having a vision. I mean, I love your vision of what yeah. you want to achieve. And I think sticking to that is yeah. really admirable. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, I think, you know, like you, we can still have that vision. Mm. I think if you have that vision, you know it's going to happen. Yeah. But the timeline part is what I've become comfortable and I've accepted. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know. I've seen it so many times. I know it's going to happen. But the interesting thing that I'm learning now, and I keep getting shown this by life, is I'm a huge believer in like just kind of every now and then life just guides you in the mm. right way. And every now and then, you know, that little reasonable voice, I'll kind of go, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I listen to the other one for a bit and then yeah. I'll go, oh God, because I almost like humble myself because I know, oh, you were right. You know, mm-hmm. so then what I've learned now is to kind of go, okay, cool. All right, well, let's kind of go with that. And, see what, and then as soon as it happens, I'll go, okay, right, well, let's do that one. And, and now just recently we've had a few things happen where I thought, not because I, I kind of wanted to, but I thought that, one part of our business, one of the things I've always wanted to do was to kind of focus around the addiction part too, mm. because it's so important. You know, it really, really is for me, you know, and, and for Lucy as well. You know, that's, mm. She's doing a master's mm. in that. So for her, it's huge. But my head was, well, that's something she's going to specialize in and I'm going to specialize in the other areas, mm. you know, which is more the emotional intelligence, the mindfulness part, coaching. And she's going to focus on the other parts. As it kind of turns out, it's nope. It's, you know, you two emerging yeah. with this and you're going to focus on both areas, you know. And I've actually just, as you said, you know what? I'm just, let's just go with it. Mm. As long as I get to kind of achieve that plan mm. and the end goal is 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 that, I don't care because it's something I want to do anyway. So it makes no mm. difference to me, yeah. you know. And, and just having that peace, mm. you know what I mean? Just having that peace now to just turn around and say, this is okay. Mm-hmm. it's fine yeah you know yeah because before i would label myself as a failure mm-hmm. whereas today i'll go actually no i'm taking it right step. Yeah. doing this now with you you know mm-hmm. talking to you and and having this conversation and being able to to really kind of connect mm-hmm. you know and and hopefully you know the people who listen can then also connect yeah and yeah. get something out of that that's already on the board that's mm-hmm. already there that's the dream already you know mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah really interesting yeah you know Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to brenda (laughs) i'm pleased one of us is i'm pleased one of us is you'll definitely get the most out of me but you might have to just remind me every now and then it's okay it doesn't matter like oh no i'll be with you (laughs) i'm just gonna throw it out there and for people listen i get really competitive (laughs) i have that streak in me and, and that's the one thing i give myself is you know just and do you know what i guess it's because i never did it 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I enjoyed that time when, you know, at the end of that workout, we pat each other on the back and just mm. go, mate, that was horrible. Mm. It was horrid, but you know what? We made it through, you know, and, but just taking part, that's the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, then just leaving it on the floor, but everyone did what was best for them. Mm. And that's it. And, but what I do is I focus on, on me as a team. Obviously we're working mm. as a team, but I always just want to make sure that I'm kind of putting the effort in there, you know, and just kind of doing it for me, mm-hmm. you know, which mm-hmm. I think is what we can do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why they say, you know, put your oxygen mask on first and then do everybody else's. Because yeah. if you if you are not capable of delivering your part, yeah. then the rest of the team, you know, isn't gonna stand a chance. And when I when I failed in that two thousand and nine, you know, I, I lost my blade. Yeah. I wasn't upset because I'd lost my blade and I felt stupid. I, mm. I was upset because I felt like I'd left let everyone else down. Mm. So, you know, yeah, just take care of yourself and doing your bit for the good of the team. Yeah, you know, is what life's about. We're, yeah. all, we're all a team member yeah. as a human being on this big floating green yeah. thing, you <laughs> yeah. know. Um, yeah. I think that remembering that gives me context whenever something feels big. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. It's interesting. Just want to ask something. I guess slightly off topic, but it just kind of popped into my head, and I was just looking mm. here, um, which I guess relates to to the athlete's life, right? Um, about I know we talked about your your routine for the 15 years of, of your mm. career, but even that kind of applies to now. And it seems like you've kind of taken um, a kind of a calmer approach in life and you're starting to see things in a slightly different way, I guess, spiritual, if that's mm. kind of the right way to, to word. Do you kind of, do you have like a, a different routine now, you know, in, in life? Like, I don't know, like meditation or mm-hmm. you know, sleeping. I know you, you like to, mm-hmm. to sleep. And yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah. I love to. And I'm looking forward to it because I'm not going to yeah. get much. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to, to enjoying these last couple of weeks or days. Who knows? Yeah. Um, My money's on days. Days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think a few people have been the same. Um, have you added anything different to your life now? Because you... And I'll keep going back to it, but I think it's just because it makes purpose. You know, you described your life, that pinnacle, the drop, mm. and now where you are again, which you're kind of, you know, you're, you're in this really beautiful phase of your life by the sounds of things. You know, you're, you've got your partner, you've got, you know, your your house and you know, your your career is in a really great place. And you're also building that lifeboat of, mm-hmm. you know, with your coaching business. What kind of keeps you motivated? You know, I know that you're massive into, into CrossFit. Could you do any other stuff, like kind of meditation or anything like that? Mm-hmm. I've learned that there's two things, <coughs> excuse me, there's two things I need to be on form. Mm-hmm. One is I need to be learning. I need to be, mm-hmm. whereas before it was about physical achievement and being faster and the being the best, now I just can't get enough mm-hmm. of knowledge. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Um, so... Even if it's just sitting down and reading a magazine. Sorry, I'm really... <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I'm okay. Um, I'll let you do that. It's the remnants of my laryngitis. <laughs> right, I'll start again. Mm. So there's two things. One is learning, and I'm massively into my audio books at the moment, so... Thank you, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> You've welcome. got me addicted. There's, there's many, many more I'm going to throw you away. But oh. one is whether I'm in the car or whether I'm um, you know, sat in the garden or sat in the living room, 
just listening to listening to an audio book brings me peace because I feel like I'm using my time. Yeah. Um, because for me, it's I, I used to be a go 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 all day, and mm. you know I had to, I had to be efficient with my time because from five thirty in the morning to nine at night I was either training, working, eating, or sleeping. The the thing I've learned now is if I'm efficient with my time in the morning, so I get up at twenty past five every day to go to the gym at six because I know then in the evening I can do nothing, mm. and I've learned the value of doing nothing mm. and I wouldn't necessarily call it meditation but I think it does the same thing for me mm. of actually I need the time to just sit yeah and relax and be okay with that it's yeah. not in effect it's not doing nothing mm. it's recharging my batteries yeah and I give myself permission to do that mm. by getting up and going to the gym in the morning and making making the most of my time at work um, you know, and, and giving myself the freedom. If I want to do this, you know, I want to come talk to you or yeah. I want to do a coaching session or I want to meet a friend for a drink. I've got permission to do that because yeah. at the end of the day, the time is mine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, learning the value of just being sat quietly and having time to think, space to think mm. and being okay with that and yeah. beating myself up that I'm not doing. Yeah. Know? I'm just being. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, it's It's really valuable. And you described it so well. I think, you know, some people go into meditation. I, you know, mm-hmm. like you, I, Lucy introduced me to to meditation and I just absolutely love it. Because mm-hmm. like you, I was just fully charged all the time, all the time. And I could not sit by myself. I had to be doing something. And um, <clears throat> just learning to have that 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning, I, usually get up really early so I come in here and I sit in here and every now and then when, mm. if I'm going into London and the sun's still coming up mm-hmm. so I come in here and the sun's coming up and I'm sat here and I just meditate for about 15 minutes mm. and then I spend five minutes just just I kind of call it prayer where I just mm. kind of sit there for a minute and just I kind of ask for things for other people do you know what I mean just make sure that people are mm. okay my family my friends people I love and just let me do good things, let me be of service, you mm-hmm. know, just little things like that. And that kind of buys me 20 minutes where I'm just still. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The, it literally sets me up for the day. Mm-hmm. It sets me up for the day. And it, you you said about just sitting by yourself. Mm-hmm. I never forget when I first moved into here and I was constantly out. I'd never stayed in this flat for more than you know if I was at the weekend I'd be lucky I'd probably chill here for a few mm. hours or either go to my mum's go see the kids while I'm out mm. you know and then when I came into to recovery I never I never forget I was sat here on the sofa and again I was still glued to my phone doing something and then something inside me just went put your phone down mm. Mm. the tv was off anyway and I kid you not, still now gives me goosebumps. I turn, I literally, I do this all the time. Mm. No, I put my phone this mm. way. My phone's here, I don't touch. And I put my phone down that way. And I just sat on the sofa mm. there. And I just looked up at the, uh, just at the, the, the ceiling. Mm. And all of a sudden, there was this calm, mm. just calm feeling. It was like serenity for me, mm-hmm. where I just felt, it was just stillness, as you mm. said, just being still. Mm. And you know what? That was the first time for me, and I remember feeling quite emotional mm. where, you know, you talked about going into that journey where you started to realize who you are. Mm. For me, it was when that door opened for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I think like you, I kind of lived this life 
you know, and all of a sudden I kind of hit a bit of a brick wall and the door just opened and said, come here, let me show you something. And then I just walked through it. And then mm. that's when I now, you know, we're kind of sort of in that journey where you're doing your thing and it kind of began for me then. Mm-hmm. And it's so important, right, to just be able to to have that personal time, right? Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have to keep running 100 miles an hour. Mm. And I think the hardest part for me to come to realise is that it, I would blame external factors for why I was always running about. Oh, I've mm. got to be here and I've got to be there and I've got to be doing this and I've got to be doing that. And, you know, and coming to the realisation of the only person who was driving me was me. Mm. You know, and yeah, okay, so I might have to be here, there and everywhere. But I'd agreed to go to those places. I'd agreed to do those things. And I was missing life. I thought living life was getting out there and going, doing stuff. And <laughs> actually, I never stopped to go, to, you know, to feel the gratitude of, I've got a house. You know, if you'd have told me five years ago I was going to own a house and hitch mm. and walked me around it, I'd have been tears of joy that, I, you know, know, what a lovely house. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and every now and then I just sit in the living room and I just look around and I go, well, I love this place, you know. Yeah. And I, I look for those moments of gratitude in my day and it's the smallest things but yeah. I now I take the time so my favorite moment of every work day and I, every day I get tingles as I approach it it's really <laughs> sad it's really sad I get out of the shower at work I go, I go and put my stuff on my desk I go and shower and I get out of the shower at work and um obviously put some clothes on <laughs> get ready and I go to the, to the coffee right. work, um and I get myself a coffee and I go and sit at my desk with my coffee. And normally I put the coffee to one side and I'd be emails. And now I don't. Yeah. I don't get my emails. I sit there with my coffee and my open pad and pen. And I just sit and I enjoy my coffee. And I think, what, what's the one thing I want to achieve today? Mm. What are the three things that I could do for other people that will make, right. you know, my life and their life easier? And I just sit and I just enjoy the coffee yeah. and a bit of thinking time. Yeah. You know, it's 15 minutes. Yeah. Not even that, probably, depending yeah. on how much I want my coffee. <laughs> you know, and, but I, I suddenly realised that little moments of enjoyment like mm. that, while I'm rushing through my day, yeah. I don't achieve any less through taking yeah. that time. But I've just found it's brought me some peace, mm. recognising, you know, I've got the money to go and pick up a coffee every day. Yeah. You know, I've got the time to sit and enjoy it. And I've got the permission at work to basically run my own day. So why would I not yeah. take that time? Yeah. You know? Enjoy it, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what is stopping you? Yeah, Nothing. exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think we even talked about this before, you know, with um, with career, with life, with how we want to be, who we want to be, how we want to achieve. And mm. I even had a conversation with somebody uh, not too long ago. Mm. It, it seems to be like a, a reoccurring topic, but I say this all the time. You know, it doesn't matter if you're feeling sad, fearful, depressed, anxious, you know, whatever it is, you know, FOMO, because, you know, and and I always say to people, there are certain things we can control, certain things we can't. What we can't control, people, places, things, Mm. right? But what we can control is ourselves. Mm. And often, or not, we tend to, which I think is when we discover, you know, we tend to kind of seek all the answers out there. And as you said, we literally live in this life where we're in that kind of hamster wheel, where we go to dinners, we go to parties, we go clubbing, we go to the cinema, we go and see friends, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, 20 years have gone by and you kind of look at your life and you go, what the hell has just happened here? Mm. 
and then we're kind of going into this depression and we go back into the hands the wheel and we're doing the same thing. So the next thing, you know, we're 40, we're 50, we're 60, mm. we're 70, we're 80, we're in our lifetime. Do you know what I mean? We're about to take the last breath and you go, I wish I would have done. And I often say to people, listen, the answers you're looking for aren't out there. And you're finding that, you know, it's, it's in you. Mm. It's taking that five, 10, 15 minutes, whether you're meditating, what you're doing is it's, it's, um, it's just another form of meditation because you're just being mm. right here and now. You know, I do it with my eyes closed. You do it with yours open. Mm. You know, it, it doesn't matter, but it's just enjoying that moment mm. right there and then, mm-hmm. you know, where you can just feel peace, gratitude, you know, mm. whatever it might be. And <clears throat> it's um, it's so important, isn't it, to mm. be able to, to realise and recognise that Yeah, because – the saddest part for me, and you probably find this with coaching, you know, yourself, where sometimes, you know, you're sat across with a client and you're sat there and you're listening. And I've listened sometimes and my heart just kind of breaks a little bit yeah. because I just want to go, hang on a second. I just want to stick what I've got in me and I just mm. want to plug it into someone else. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And go, listen, just take this. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times, you know, we say it, some people just don't take the leap. Mm. Um, but it's, it's hard because it, people have to realise it for themselves. You know, yeah, like that's the whole ethos of coaching, isn't it? Yeah. That you can't train someone. You can you can teach them techniques, I guess, but you can't train someone to yeah. be mindful. You can't train someone to be grateful. Mm. You can't train someone to be at peace. Mm. You have to seek it out for yourself. Yeah. You know, and um, I think there's this misconception that you know you have to be meditate for 20 minutes you have to be in a place of quiet you have to you know be some sort of guru you know and I've been amazed at the places that I've found I've been able to bring that to the front of my mind yeah so you know one that sticks in my mind particularly was we were doing a particularly awful wad I can't <laughs> remember what we were doing and it involved a lot of running and I don't particularly enjoy it <laughs> I don't particularly enjoy most of it but I <laughs> I was in quite a lot of pain right. and I just remembered thinking, you know, it was nowhere near the pain that my sister would be feeling after the loss of her partner. Right. And that brought some gratitude for me yeah. that I was like, you know, be grateful that you're here. You can do this. Yeah. This is not the worst pain you've ever felt. You know, yeah. it was, I guess my version of suck it up, but yeah. that was a, a real moment of clarity for me of, yeah. Why are you complaining, brain? Why are you complaining, legs? You know, mm. you've chosen to be here, mm. you know, and it's a gift that you're able yeah. to do this one, you know, and, and sometimes when I'm not particularly looking forward to a workout, I go back mm. to that moment and go, yeah. you know what? Yeah, you know, why are you not looking forward to this? It's going to take you 10 minutes. Yeah. It's going to hurt, but you've chosen that. Yeah. And you can choose how to manage it. Yeah. You know, and just finding those moments to be present and remember and be grateful, you know, they kind of still creep up on me as a surprise at the moment. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's not something that I could necessarily tell somebody else. Or just before a word, if you could just stop and think. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. What, it's what works for you. And yeah. That's what's so beautiful about it, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and this is the thing, isn't it? One size doesn't fit all, especially when it comes to life. Mm-hmm. You know, and Lucy and I were talking about this, and, I, and I've spoken to, to a few people about it, you know, whether it's recovery, coaching, therapy, you know, you coach one person one way, it's mm. not going to work the same for another. Mm. You know, it's exactly the same with, with you know, recovery, you know, therapy and, you know, and so on. And 
And that's the most beautiful, that's what I love about the stuff that we do, do you know what I mean, with the coaching staff and being able to work with people is that it is flexible, you mm-hmm. know, it's not a rigid way of working. Mm-hmm. And that's how life should be. Mm-hmm. Actually, sorry, let me rephrase that. That's how life is. Mm-hmm. Life, and, and I say this all the time, I always use the phrase, says who? Because when yeah. someone turns around and says to me, oh, you know, I can't do this. And I go, says who? Yeah. Who says that? Who's mm. told you that you can't be that person? Or who says that you can't do this? Like when you said about the what? Mm. You say it to yourself all the time in your own yeah, way. Yeah. Says who? Get on with it. Shut the hell yeah. up. I say it to myself. <laughs> like, Shut the fuck up and just yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it gives me that grind, you know, that, but I've learned what works for, for me, mm. you know, and, and <clears throat> my dream is to, you know, is, is hopefully that people start to kind of understand that and gain mm. that freedom. And not from any, any kind of purpose, but just to, for us as human beings to realize that we can do anything. As long as from a positive perspective, by the way, so I don't want to be robbing banks or anything crazy like that. Uh, Definitely don't do that. uh But from a positive perspective, I say to my son, I say to my daughter and and stuff like that, you know, like my son, I said, listen, dad, I don't want to, do you mind if I take some time off before I go to uni? She's when he's 18. I said, all right, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go and do Camp America. I went, cool, Mm. go. I went, as long as you pay for yourself. And, yeah. and he did. He worked in this god-awful job for a year. Mm. But I said to him, dude, stick it out because you're going to love it at the other end. Got to Camp America, went to America for three months, whatever mm. it is, for me, and he absolutely loved it. Came back, did a little bit of work and went, listen, I'm going to Australia. I went, knock yourself out. Yeah. As long as you pay for it, you got anything in Australia now. Amazing. Signed up to uni. He's going to go to uni in, um, in Cambridge at Ruskin. And when he comes, as soon as he lands, he's going straight to uni. Mm. And that's the thing. You know, I, I always try to kind of just say to people, look, your life is mapped out. You know, how you decide to achieve the end goal is up to you. You're going to take a left turn, a right turn, or whatever it is, but you're going to get there because that's how it's meant to be. So I always say to people, do yourself a favor. Make the fucking best journey you can. I was trying to do one podcast where I don't swear. Just, <laughs> just, just do the best journey you can. Mm. You know what I mean? Take the best journey you can because that's what life is, right? Mm. We only have a certain amount of time. I interviewed Andy Cope, an absolutely incredible guy. You know, he, he wrote, um, you know, a number of, of books. He's the first um, doctor of happiness, in the Amazing. UK, absolute uh-huh. legend, this guy, a really, really great guy. And he said, you know, hopefully I don't quote this in the wrong way, but he said the average lifespan of a human being is 4,000 weeks. That's not a long time. That's frightening. Exactly, yeah. right? Mm. Think about that. It, you know, and he used an example where he went to a school and he said that to a bunch of kids and these kids just jumped for joy because for them, 4,000 weeks is a hell of a long time. Yeah. He literally said exactly the same thing at a conference with a bunch of adults, and it was literally like you could just see tumbleweed. Mm. And that's the difference what happens when we're kids to when we become adults. Mm. We lose that connection. And I started to use this little analogy is go back to being a child. Mm. You know, go back to that freedom, you know, because and that's what's happening to us. I truly believe that. That's what happens to a lot of people when the, the word now is kind of when you kind of wake up a little bit, mm. is you start to then find that freedom again you know, and really start to enjoy life, mm-hmm. which is beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the more people that can experience it, the better. So. Love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. I really enjoyed talking to you. Mm-hmm. Really, really have.
Any final words? I feel like I should have something really, really good to say. <laughs> like but, um, a Oscar speech. No, I think I think the only thing I'd say is thank you because um, as with coaching, you know, even talking about a story you're familiar with mm. and that you've told yourself a thousand times, you always learn something about yourself mm. when you revisit it with someone that's not heard it before. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been really enjoyable for me, um, and in a way, it's been a line in the sand to mark how far I've come. Because yeah. you don't, well, I don't spend a lot of time looking back because it can be quite painful to yeah. look back. Because yeah, it's of essentially looking back to what I was, which I've been trying to move on from for so long. So yeah. no, thanks. It's been yeah. been really good. But it's a huge achievement as well. You know, it really, really is. And you, you know, you you should wear that that you know with pride. You know, because the beautiful thing that you know we talked about was that journey that you went through. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you, you know, I mean, and as you said, not kind of look back at it now, but as you've kind of find, found your healing around it, mm-hmm. is bottle up the the great stuff mm-hmm. and own it. Do you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. really, really own it. You know, I'm looking forward to Grendel. <laughs> Cannot wait. We're going to be doing some training on Sunday, so I'm looking yeah. forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. So, listen, guys, thank you so much for listening, and as always. Go to our website if you have any questions around coaching or around therapy or if you just want to leave um, feedback. Um, our website is www.happyaslarrygroup.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and have an amazing day. Mm-hmm. Have an amazing evening, wherever you are in the world, and pretty much follow our conversation. Just nail life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy have an amazing day, guys. See you soon. Take care.